Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Deuteronomy chapter 7 begins in a way that might be very difficult for us to reconcile with our natural thought. Listen to these verses. When Jehovah your God brings you into the land which you are about to enter to possess and clears away many nations from before you, and Jehovah your God delivers them up before you, and you defeat them, you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor shall you show them any favor. God's word to the children of Israel as they were preparing to enter the good land was to utterly and absolutely destroy the peoples that were inhabiting the land. To us today, this may seem far too extreme, but what view do we bring to the scriptures? We'll look at that today on this life study from the book of Deuteronomy. Bob Danker has joined us, and as always, Bob, it's a pleasure to have you. And it's always a pleasure to be with you, Chris. I do believe we have a, a very enlightening broadcast today. Bob, let's talk about this point for just a moment. Witness Lee will address it, and I think we'll get some real help, all of us here, uh, in this first segment. But, Bob, this is a good example of one of those things, particularly in the Old Testament, that can be very difficult for us to understand with our natural understanding, can't it? That's right, Chris. If we look at this from the natural human viewpoint, we would we might feel that God's commanding of the people to destroy the inhabitants of the land utterly, not leaving any survivors, was extreme. It was cruel. Right. Uh, how could God be so cruel to these people? Uh, this is the natural viewpoint, and we should uh, never bring such a viewpoint when we read the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament. Uh, I believe many people, in reading a passage like this, would conclude that God is an angry God, a, a severe God, and so forth, and they would, in their heart, would not like such a God. Right. But this is because we see things from our human viewpoint, and we do not see them from God's viewpoint. We really need the divine view when we read the Scriptures, especially when we read verses like this one. Well, we've seen uh, so many times now in this life study uh, of the Bible, particularly when we touch these Old Testament books, that the, the Old Testament is a book of pictures, types, and shadows that all have a reality behind them. And it's in seeing the reality that our point of view changes, isn't it, Bob? That's right. We need to see the reality behind what was going on here. And then we need to be willing to give up our human view 
and to take God's view and to be one with God in his view. Well, why don't we join Witness Lee, and then we'll have a chance to fellowship some more on this uh, very interesting point. After being led into the promised land as an inheritance, then utterly you have to uh, destroy all the nations without any mercy. Kill them all, because they are absolutely devilish. So you have to kill them. Uh, Even today, a number of Bible readers do not agree with this. Why God commanded Israel to kill all the Canaanites? Well, this is kind of human thought. But the divine thought was that at that time, the Canaanites did have some mingling with the demons. So God wanted them all to be uh, killed, to rid them off from this earth. So it says what? Not making any covenant with them, nor showing them any favor, that means any mercy, not making marriage alliances with them, tearing down the altars. They have their altars for worshiping the idols. Here corresponds with Exodus 34, verse 13. Jehovah, your God, choose you from among all the people to be people for his personal treasure. You know the word treasure, right? You do treasure, certain thing. So God did treasure the children of Israel as a treasure. So as his personal treasure. God set his affection on them and loving them and being willing to keep his promise to them, bringing them out of the house of slavery and ransom them from that house of uh, slavery. Bob, we talked about the importance of uh, having our point of view changed when we come to a passage of Scripture like that. And I think verse 6 that he referred to here is the key to getting our uh, perspective altered so that we have more of a divine view on this portion. I think to really understand these uh, first two verses, we have to see verse 6. For you are a holy people to Jehovah your God. It is you whom Jehovah your God has chosen from among all the peoples which are upon the face of the earth to be a people for his personal treasure. That phrase is striking and is really a key here, isn't it? That's right. God chose the people of Israel not because they were the most numerous or the greatest people on the earth, but because he wanted to have a people for himself to be a personal treasure to him. In choosing the, the people of Israel, God wanted them to be separate and distinct, absolutely different from the nations, from the Gentiles who did not know God and who worshipped idols. It is a fact, Chris, that all the inhabitants of the land whom the children of Israel were to dispossess, they all were worshippers of idols. They were people who didn't know God at all, but mm-hmm. worshipped false gods. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said clearly that in verse 20, he says, The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become those who have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the Lord's cup and the demon's cup. 
you cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the demon's table. These are very enlightening verses, and they tell us that behind every idol, behind every false god, there is a demon, and that those who are involved with idols are spontaneously involved with the demons which are behind the idols. So these people, in the eyes of God, were not only evil in their morality, but they worshipped idols and became involved with demons. This is why Witness Lee said here they were devilish people. So if God had allowed these people to live together with his holy people in the good land, these idol worshipers, what would happen? Eventually, they would draw away the people of Israel after the idols, and God would lose his personal treasure. This is why God commanded them to exterminate the nations who lived in the good land and also to destroy their idols and the places where their idols were worshipped so that nothing related to idolatry or idol worship or the demons who are behind the idols would remain so God could have a people for himself as a peculiar treasure. There's a good picture here for us as well, Bob. Uh, In our culture and society, it's probably unlikely that many of us have an idol set up in our living room physically. But in the chambers of our heart, that's another matter. Uh, We all have those things that we love and treasure and cherish, and those can become an idol to us, can't they? And God is just as jealous over us, if not more so, as his church than he was the children of Israel. Absolutely, Chris. Anything that occupies our heart and anything that we love more than God can be an idol to us. Uh, Maybe our career occupies us, or our family occupies us or our home with all our possessions or our car. Uh We love certain things, and these things that we love take God's place in our heart. These, in reality, are a form of idols. That's right. And they take us away or carry us away from God. While we are involved in these things, then we become like the nations, like the people around us who are not God's people. Actually, uh, we all know what those things are that distract us or carry us away from God. It's not that we don't know. We do know. So John, in his first epistle, at the very end, the last verse, he said, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Mm -hmm. This is a word that applies not only to Israel in the Old Testament, but even more to us today. Bob, we want to move on a little farther along in chapter 7. We come to verse 9 now for this next segment. Let me read this one. It says, Know therefore that it is Jehovah your God who is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and loving kindness to the thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. This matter of keeping the commandments, of course, this verse is followed by a number of verses that talk about the blessing that follows those who keep his commandment. And that's what we want to focus on in this next segment. Let's go back to Witness Lee. To God, the faith of a God who keeps the covenant and loving kindness with those who love him and keep his Christ. Right? Amen. That he would uh, love them 
bless them, multiply them, because we keep his Christ. And bless the fruit of their ground, their grain, their new wine, their fresh oil, the offspring of the cattle and the young of the flock, <laughs> all these in details. And that he would uh, remove every sickness from the children of Israel. What a blessing. Amen. Due to what? Due to the fact that you are okay with Christ. Right? You keep his Christ. Then you will receive all the detailed blessings. Blessings on everything that's related to you. Uh, well, it is not a small thing that we enjoy or we receive the blessing of God, no doubt. This is why today we use the phrase, in Christ. God be with you, in Christ. God's peace, God's grace be to you from Christ, from God the Father and Christ. Anyhow, you have to get yourself right with God by teaching Christ. Christ today is God's commandments, the unique commandments. The unique commandment God gives to the world is to take his sin, to believe in his sin. So his sin, Christ, today becomes the very commandment of God. We just have to receive him and keep him and be right with him. Then we are okay with God. Then God will love us in return and God will bless us. Uh, even the sickness will be kept away. Do you believe that? I believe this. Bob, for those who uh, have been with us in the past couple of weeks as we've been in this book of Deuteronomy, they'll realize that Witness Lee just did what the Apostle Paul did. Uh, he took a passage from Deuteronomy and he substituted Christ for the commandment. This phrase, to keep Christ, probably unusual uh, or uh, an odd expression to the ears of many of our listeners, but there is a very valuable uh, meaning and understanding here that is applicable to us, isn't it? That's right, Chris. Actually, Uh, we know that Moses was charging the people to keep the commandments of God. But actually, today, God does not charge us to keep the commandments of the Old Testament law. Actually, in the eyes of God, Christ is God's unique commandment. God's unique commandment to the human race is not that we keep the Old Testament law, but that we believe in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And this believing uh, on our part basically brings us into a union with Christ. And it is in Christ that we have all the blessings from God. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that the Father blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. If we are right with Christ and we are in union with him, then all God's blessings are ours. If we are wrong with Christ, then we lose the blessings. If we read uh, Paul's epistles, we find out in Galatians, Paul was struggling to keep the Galatian believers from returning to the Old Testament law because he told them, if you seek to be justified 
through the law. Right. You are severed from Christ, and you have lost all benefit from Christ. Mm. And then in Colossians, Paul was struggling again to keep the Colossian believers from being carried away from Christ by philosophy, by the traditions of men, by the worship of angels, and by the practice of asceticism, replacing Christ with something else. Because once we are severed from Christ, we lose all God's blessings. So in order to enjoy the blessings that God has bestowed on us as believers, we need to remain in oneness with Christ, even in our daily living. We need to live in a union with Christ. Then we will enjoy all God's blessings. We know that Christ didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. So for us to keep him is to keep the law keeper. Uh, We maintain a oneness with him, and he is the fulfillment of all the requirements of the law, isn't he, Bob? He is. Christ is the fulfillment of the law, and if we keep him, then we spontaneously will fulfill the law. Bob, we've got one segment to go, and in a sense, this is just a bit of a foretaste of what we're going to touch in much more detail tomorrow. I hope all of our listeners will be able to join us for that broadcast. Uh, We're going to touch this matter of Deuteronomy 8 and uh, four particular verses that I want to read right now, and uh, we'll hear Witness Lee, and then just have a couple of minutes to uh, fellowship this in a very preliminary way, kind of set up the focus of our program tomorrow uh, comes from a book that Witness Lee wrote in 1962 called The All-Inclusive Christ. These verses in chapter 8, beginning at verse 7, For Jehovah your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of water brooks, of springs and of fountains, flowing forth in valleys and in mountains, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees with oil and of honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and from whose mountains you can mine copper. And you shall eat and be satisfied. You shall bless Jehovah your God for the good land which he has given you. We began today, Bob, talking about how important it is that we get God's view as we look at these things in the Old Testament. And in no case is that more critical than as we consider this matter of the good land, just what is God presenting to us when he shows us this good, good land? Let's go back to Witness Lee. To keep the commandment, also to walk in his ways. God has his ways. In the New Testament, the same thing. So we have to walk in the Lord's way. We have to walk in the New Testament way. Walking in his ways and fearing him, for Jehovah your God was bringing you to a good land, to a land that is adequate. So you have to be adequate. Uh, a land of water brooks, then springs, another kind of water, and uh, fountains. You know, fountain is the source. Spring is the output. Then you have the brooks. These water brooks are the flow, and springs are the putting out. Then fountains are the source. First you have the fountain. Then you have the putting out, the springs. Then you have the water brooks. The flowing forests in valleys and in mountains. Which do you like? Do you like the environment of mountains or the environment of valleys? Which one do you love? 
different environments. But anyhow, all these are under God's sovereignty. Christ flows, Christ flows, flows in valleys, in the downs, and also in mountains ups. You do have ups and downs, right? Christ flows in your ups and your downs. And a land of wheat, Moses talked about the water for drinking, right? Now he's talking about the foodstuffs, eating matters. Wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive trees. It's very good. And honey, a land in which they would eat bread without scarcity, and in which they would not lack anything, a land whose stones were iron, and from whose mountains they could mine copper, iron copper. For what? For making weapons, no doubt. For fighting against enemies. So you have something to drink, you have something to eat, you have something to make weapons, fighting the enemy. And uh, they would eat and be satisfied and would bless Jehovah, your God, for the good land which he had given to you. Bob, the striking thing to me as we listen to this uh, list enumerated again is to realize that everything the people needed was in this land. What is this typifying for us? Well, Chris, you are right in making that observation. Uh, This means that everything that we need is in Christ. Christ is the real good land, and he's full of riches. Mm -hmm. He's full of the flowing water, the water of life that flows in valleys and mountains, flows whether you're up or whether you're down. You can still drink this wonderful living water because Christ is uh, the flowing one in us. And also, he's full of various kinds of food to supply us. And also, in the good land, there were mountains where the people could get stones for building, and they could extract iron and copper for making weapons to fight the enemies Uh and to defend themselves. So here in this land was everything God's people needed to fulfill the purpose for which God had chosen them and brought them into the good land. Bob, as you consider their history, they had been living now for some 38 to 40 years on not the provisions that were in the land, but on the miraculous things that God was providing them with, special sources of water and, of course, the manna that came down daily from heaven. A little different uh, program awaits them, isn't it, in the good land? That's right, Chris. In the wilderness, they received everything without any labor. They simply rose up in the morning, and they went out and gathered the manna, and that was their supply. But in the good land, they had to labor on the land to grow the crops, to dig out the stones, the iron, and the copper, and so forth. It required their labor in cooperation with God and with what God had given to them. But he had given them everything they needed to labor on and with. That's right, Chris. And that is our Christ, isn't it? That is our Christ. He's all that we need. He's all-inclusive. Before we go, I'll give you our toll-free number and invite you to contact us. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 
543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. And once again, we invite you to visit our website, which is lifestudy.com, www.lifestudy.com. And from there, you can access, oh, more than a thousand programs now that we have archived from our past broadcasts. All of the books that we've covered in previous completed life studies are there. So we hope you'll visit that website again. It's www.lifestudy.com. Our thanks to Bob Danker. And for Bob, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.